We are a band of brothers, diverse yet unified, aligned to pursue the truth, resolute in our commitment. We are stronger together, and you are one of us. This is the Brotherhood Podcast. Brothers, welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I am joined, as always, with Matt Schrader here as we're following up on our December breakfast with Pastor Willie George. I know um, I know a lot of you guys were excited about it because I've seen the downloads. I've seen everybody uh, that has kind of hopped on and said, hey, uh, I really want to I really want to hear that recording again. I, I, I really got a ton out of it. That's you know, that was the message that I needed to hear right now. We've been getting some a lot, uh, a lot of great feedback from that alone. But I think the thing that's really exciting is that as I've listened to it a little bit more, and Matt, I believe you're the same way, as, as we've listened to it a little bit more, there's so much more that we've gotten out of it. So if you don't mind, say hello to everybody. And uh, man, let's jump into this because I think we have a lot to talk about today. Yes. Thank you so much. Once again, love being on the podcast with you, Evan. Such a fantastic message, such a great event to round out 2020. I couldn't believe it. I turned around in the middle of the breakfast and I was like, 2020 is over. This is phenomenal. I mean, it's we ended up having a thousand more men at the events total over the entire of 2020 than we had in 2019. Now, keep in mind, that is the year of COVID. We missed two events that we did online that don't count any of those people. I can't imagine. I mean, if you add the projected numbers for them, we blew it out of the water for attendance. So, I mean, it's been a tremendous movement. Such a huge thanks to all the guys that are helping. If you've attended, thank you so much. It is such a tremendous opportunity to get into community, to see your brothers, to meet men who are running right alongside you. Yeah, what a tremendous event. So fun. I'm so excited to talk about this message with Pastor George. If you were at the event, of course, you knew, you know, it was emotionally charged. He was on fire. He was like, I mean, something had lit him up walking in and he was ready to go. Uh, If you haven't, man, check out the podcast because it's such a tremendous amount of wisdom for right now where we're living. Yeah, absolutely. I I think one of the things that, uh, that is kind of confirmation for us as, as we've been talking about it a little bit on this, on this podcast and on the YouTube videos that you do and some of the other uh, things that, you know, people are hearing from brotherhood on is we talk about this momentum. We talk about how we're seeing a hunger for people uh, that, especially men uh, in the brotherhood that are, they're, they're, they're looking for more. They're looking for, you know, what is, what is my response? What, like, what do I need to be doing? Like, how do I grow? How do I challenge myself? I I see the direction that I want to go. I don't necessarily know how to get there. And so, you know, to see the numbers that we were seeing at the breakfast, obviously, you know, I, I call it the, the PWG bump. I think that there's definitely a lot of people that have just grown up with him. So anytime he's going to have something, we're going to have those people uh, that are going to come to that stuff just because they know that they're, that they're going to, you know, they're going to learn a lot. They're going to be inspired. And I, I think that, uh, that Pastor George definitely did not disappoint with that. And if you're listening to this because you just listened to the podcast before of, uh, of, of The Breakfast, and you're like, hey, what is some of this other content? Welcome. Uh, we're excited that you're here. And what we're going to do is we're going to talk a little bit about just uh, some of the notes that we took during the uh, during the breakfast and kind of dissect it a little bit and then look at it through the lens of brotherhood. Look at it from the perspective of, you know, how can I apply this to my life? How can I apply this to kind of the direction that I'm trying to go in terms of leading myself, leading my family? 
Uh, but at the same time, you know, looking at what brotherhood is as a concept and how we can make that a reality in terms of, uh, you know, what, what brotherhood can be. We know there's momentum and we know there's growth and we're really excited about that. But I think sometimes we just kind of get lost in terms of like, what are our next steps? What do we do? And so this is, this is a, a path towards that. So we want to welcome you, uh, to this and hopefully it's something that you enjoy, uh, something that's, uh, you know, you get accustomed to and you, and you want to uh, continue to listen to. So with that, Matt, I want to jump in uh, to what Pastor George was talking about. He jumped right into it. Uh, I don't know if this is just something that everybody deals with or, or whatever else, but apparently in Jesus's time, there was crisis. There was a challenge. There was there, there was issues going on uh, that people uh, were just uh, in unrest. And I don't, I don't want to sound cliche, but that sounds kind of like what we're in right now. And so I think maybe that's why, you know, everybody kind of leaned in a little bit more and uh, was was really listening to what uh, and where Pastor George was going to go with this and what he was going to say about this, because I think that we are in a moment of crisis. And I think that uh, as we talk about the sons of Issachar and, uh, you know, you know, uh, being able to hear from God and, and kind of the issues of today and where we need to stand and, and, and being alert and being awake to what's going on in our world. Um, I think that's something that we all need to hear right now. And I was definitely challenged by that, but I was struck with the irony of crisis is ongoing and crisis continues to happen, whether it be in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and today. Uh, there's still going to be crisis, and we, as brothers and as men of God and leaders, uh, need to know how to respond to crisis. Yeah, what's tremendous is we tend to think in our own humanity that everything we're going through has never happened to anybody else. Even as men, we tend to think we're the only one facing this challenge. We're the only one constantly losing this battle. And you just pointed out, it's not true. Things have been going this way for years, for decades, for centuries. And the good news about that for me is that God has been faithful all the way through. Like, it's easy to read those stories in the Bible and be like, well, yeah, God was faithful then. And then walk out of your door to your job and be like, oh, no, is it going to work out? Oh, no, is God going to come through? Or, oh, no, what is going to happen here? And yet God has shown himself faithful every single time. And I love looking back at scripture and content and pulling into this day and age and saying, wow, it just relieves me. It's such a peace to be like, man, God did a work then. He'll do a work now. You know, what's amazing is the Bible's written both from the Old Testament and the New Testament from the perspective of a oppressed people. And in America, we don't, we can make some mistakes there because we read it from an American vision sometimes. But as Christians, you mentioned we're in this space and area where our belief systems are it's more, the opposition is more apparent. The opposition to God and God in our life is much more prevalent in society. And because of that, we start to really liken ourselves and see ourselves in these stories because even if it's for a brief moment during our day, we become that oppressed people or that burdened people because of the disagreement our society has with the ways of the Lord. Yeah. I think for me, it gives me hope. I, I, I look at the situations, these seemingly insurmountable situations. In this instance, you know, King Saul was dead uh, and, and it, it, Israel didn't have a leader. And so they were trying to figure out what to do. And I think for us right now, 
you know, what, what pastor George was kind of alluding to and a lot of this, a lot of the things he was talking about is there, there are times that you need to hear from God. You need to, you need to have that way to know when he's speaking to you. And we've talked about that a little bit on some of these past podcasts about what that looks like and what that sounds like. And I think it's a, it's a really cool opportunity for us to dive a little bit deeper into some of the, the uh, examples that uh, Pastor George gave in terms of hearing from God. But one of the things that I want to point back to you first before we get into that <clears throat> is talking about discernment. The sons of Issachar uh, had a lot of discernment when it came to some of these uh, crises and situations, and they could take into consideration what's going on with the culture, but they could also put that up against what God has to say about uh, us and who we are and his people. And they were able to discern what was right and what needed to be done. And as I was kind of thinking about that and preparing for this, one of the things that kind of came back to me was one of the foundational scriptures of brotherhood, which is Proverbs uh, uh, 2, 1 through 5, but uh, ultimately 4 through 5 is what I want to focus on. Uh, And it says, if you seek skillful and godly wisdom as you would silver and search for her as you would hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of of God. And I think that as brothers, as we're seeking out wisdom and we're pursuing the knowledge of God and getting that fear of God, that's going to put us in a position where we can discern the culture of the times versus the will of God in our lives. And I think that right there, if I'm looking at that from a perspective of brotherhood and from what Pastor George was saying in here, I think that puts us in a position where as we get a little bit deeper into what the who the sons of Issachar were and and who they are, is that we can necess- we, we can get to a point in our lives where our brotherhood becomes like the sons of Issachar. Does that make sense? Oh, it does. And that's the sons of Issachar, you know, I was doing some research as I was looking, and they were. They're one of the 12 tribes of Israel. And we don't hear a lot about the 12 tribes, or we hear about some of them, the tribe of Judah and maybe the tribe of Levi. We hear those two, but we don't hear about the other 10 very often. And yeah, Jamestown, New York, Pennsylvania, Baltimore, all those. Well, that's sorry, thirteen colonies. My bad. Yeah, yeah that's the uh, <laughs> that's the American tribes, I guess. Um, yeah, we hear so Issachar is one of the tribes, and we get the picture because they're they're always phrased as the children of Issachar, the men of Issachar. So a lot of times, it's this group of people. It's these brothers, brotherhood, if you will, all connected. Now, were they directly related? Probably not. Probably the way they're reflecting and writing that is they were in different clans, different families, but they all came underneath this one tribe. But they had built such a relationship that people saw them as a group and a unit. And that's incredibly valuable, especially in a world where we kind of come up as individuals and it's much more difficult right now for us to find brothers that walk like us, talk like us, believe like us, that can face or come to grips with us, what we're facing, what we're challenging, and then even challenge us, confront us in situations. Because the men of Issachar, this is what strikes me about that. The men of Issachar had the strength to confront society in that moment. Keep in mind, there's other tribes going on. When Saul starts going south and starts being disobedient, there are other people in the community, other leaders, other statesmen that are going along and agreeing with this, but not the men of Issachar. They trade over and say, whoa, God has moved now. God has moved his anointing from Saul to David. We need to move where God moves. That's the value of a brotherhood because if I'm standing right by you, Evan, and you see God move, but I'm distracted, 
you see him do something or say something or is trying to communicate something and I can't hear it at that moment, that's where you step into my life. And you say the thing that all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow, that is God. We do need to stand up for right. We need to make this right decision. Yeah, I, I think that kind of points back to, so before Saul died, before that whole thing happened, uh, Pastor George talked a little bit about that Saul had stopped hearing from God and that he had he had started to look to other voices that were kind of in alignment with what he was thinking because God had stopped communicating with him. And he, the reason that he said God stopped communicating with him was that he had stopped following and obeying God. And it wasn't necessarily that uh, he hadn't achieved a new level of grace, I think is what he said. He, he said that he had just started disobeying the, the direction of God and stopped listening to him. And so uh, two thoughts on that. The first is um, that you need a brotherhood to hold you accountable. You need a brotherhood who's going to stand by with you and say, hey, you're not following God here, or maybe challenging you to continue to follow God. Because I think Saul got complacent maybe in, in some of the things he, the, that he was doing because he was the king, right? When you're the leader, when you're on, when you're on top of the organization, you, you don't have those people that are challenging you and, and kind of guiding you through what things should be. You start kind of setting some of those precedents. And if you're on the right path and if you're continuing to seek God, like we talked about in Proverbs 2, where you're, you're searching after uh, his knowledge so that you can fear God, then you're great. But you get away from that. That's when, you know, God's going to stop speaking to you and that God's going to stop, uh, you know, helping you along the things uh, with the things that you need to do. Because <clears throat> according to Pastor George, according to the Bible, God wanted Saul to continue to lead, but Saul chose not to. And so that's where he cut, he got away from uh, the will of God in those, in those things. But I think the other part of that too, is that, that God still found a way and God found a way through David. And so that's where, that's where, even if we're in a situation where we stop hearing from God and we stop pursuing God, we, we need that brotherhood to keep us close. But what I don't want to do is get into a situation where I'm, you know, standing before God and, you know, hoping for that well done, my good and faithful servant. And instead he goes, well, you did pretty good, but then I had to, I had to have David step up and finish what I started with you. I would have much rather it had been you, but I, I, I had to find a way through David. That would, that would be, that would be crushing to me because, you know, I didn't fully operate in my purpose for what God had for me. God still found a way. God still made a way for it to happen, but it was through somebody else. And it was because I uh, didn't follow, continue to obey God and follow God. And I wasn't hearing from God because I wasn't seeking him. Yeah, I want to go to that story. It's such a tremendous story, and there's so much in the story of David and Goliath that we miss, in part because we've heard it ever since we were little kids. Even people who don't follow the faith know the word, know the words of David and Goliath. You know, the story goes, Goliath comes out to challenge the uh, Israelites, and Pastor George brings out what an incredible idea. He brings out that the Philistines had overtaken the Israelites and taken all their iron workers. You remember that when he's talking about taking away the only two people that had weapons were Saul and Jonathan. They both had a sword. So that, I mean, you start to wonder, you know, even though, you know, they talk about David being a long range guy and he was a, I forget the name of the, a slinger is what I think they called him. All he has is a slingshot. That was the only weapons they had. That makes more sense now why the Israelites are so, 
um, scared of Goliath and the Philistines because in your mind, you're like, man, just all y'all go take swords, chop them down, and you're done with the giant. But they didn't have swords. The only two people have it are Saul and Jonathan. So Goliath is taunting the Israelites, send me a man, send me a man, send me a man. He keeps saying who he's talking to is Saul. And here's why I like that, because you just mentioned, I think, a lot of men's fear in that somehow they will be replaced because they're not enough. They don't, they can't achieve what they're supposed to be achieved. So they somehow will get replaced, whether in their job, their marriage, as a dad with their kids, like all those things. That's a, that's a core fear. Well, Saul has that opportunity. Pastor George leads out with Saul. It wasn't that he didn't attain something. It's that he didn't go back to what God had said. If you know the end of the story with David and Goliath, you know that it's not the person that fights Goliath. It's God working through that person. So Saul could have stepped up. He could have been obedient to God, heard God, what he said, and went and fought Goliath. And it is highly likely, from what we see in the word, that God would have stepped up behind Saul and he would have struck that giant down. But Saul didn't do it. That's why he had to be replaced by David. That it's that gives me hope because it, he God gave Saul a chance, a long chance. The pastor talked about it was 40 days long, 40 days that Goliath yells at the Israelites for 40 days, Saul could have said, all right, it's me. I'm going to take my sword and I'm going after this guy. And he still said no. Still scared. Yeah. So I don't know if this struck you like it struck me, but when he was talking about the number 40, I know I know he's real big into numbers. Like seven is the number of completion. Eight's the number of new beginnings. Six is the number of man. 40 is the number of tests. Like, you know, 40 days they wandered in the wilderness, 40, you know, 40 days, 40 nights. You hear, you hear that number 40, 40 again. That, that was the first time I heard the number 40 in the context of, you know, God's testing you or a trial or something like that. Dude, I turn 40 next year. <laughs> so for me, it struck me a little different. Uh, it struck me like, has, has all of my years up until this point, has that been my test? Has that, you know, have I been being prepared for what's after those 40, 40 years. And, and so like, I, I don't know if, if, like I said, if, if it struck you the way that it struck me, but man, it put a lot of weight on, you know, next year and, and what I'm doing, because, you know, when, if I'm looking at, you know, some of these similarities between some of these different things, you know, I, I think about guys when they're starting their careers and they're getting into their forties and they're, you know, we've talked about purpose a lot on this, on this podcast and everything else. Like I've been prepared for something. I'm being prepared for something. And, and, you know, my 40 days is, is coming to a close. What does that look like next? What is What is that, that, what does that next step become? And so I, how exciting is that though? I mean, if you look back at the 40 years, you have 40 years of no matter who's listening or who's speaking, you have 40 years of somewhat success, somewhat failure. And yet we're, you're, if those are the testing times, how much greater is the victory? Like moving into what God would have for you. I, I, I've heard that before. Like I'm 41. So I passed that year 40, but I had that same feeling. Someone told me when I was 39 about the number 40, it was a pastor at my church. And I was, I had that same feeling like, Oh my gosh. Wow. And I, I did and transferred inside of that time, but we have made that number significant in our society and I don't know that it's because we set out as like, okay, it's 40 days of or 40 years of testing. But I can't help but think that that number has come up in our society naturally because there really is something to it. 
There really is something to making that transition. You know, think about a lot of things that happen after the age of 40, midlife crises, uh, guys losing their purpose, doing stupid stuff, guys wanting to run back to their childhood and, you know, whether it's that age-old story of getting the red Corvette and the hot blonde, it doesn't matter. Like it's these, it's this reach back to what we think we had at one point in time. And yet what we have is so much better ahead of us if we'll just start walking in it. Yeah. Yeah. Those are those are the distractions from your purpose. I I like how you kind of poised it as, you know, you're stepping into your 40s, you're stepping into the victory. Like it was preparation for for all those things. And I think there's a lot of people they kind of look at those situations and say, okay, like I have the experience, I have the knowledge, I have the growth, I have, I've, I've gotten to a point where I under, or I'm hopefully getting close to understanding my purpose. And so that's when I can start walking into it. So I don't know, I don't want to go too far down that path, but it, it definitely struck me. I was like, holy cow, like for, this is a big, this is a big thing coming up. And I say that to the audience and, and not just to like, you know, go inward with a lot of this stuff, but to challenge you, like, what are you, what are you preparing yourself for? Like, what are you, are you, when you're thinking about and you're hearing some of these things, whether it be from the breakfast or, you know, some of the other influences in your life. And, and as they're talking to that stuff, are you, are you actually dwelling on it a little bit and, and thinking about it and say, okay, how do I apply that to, to my leadership? How do I apply that to me as a person? Like, what are the things that I can walk away from this with and use it to grow or maybe, you know, use it to like, say, Hey, I definitely will not do that. Like, I don't want to make that mistake. I don't want to, you know, you know, buy the red Corvette and, and leave my family. I definitely don't want to do that. Red Corvette, maybe leave my family, not so much, but at the, at the same time, I think what you really want to kind of take from that is, you know, as you're listening to all of the different things that we're talking about and, and what our speakers talk about, is the practical application. If it just comes into your, your head and goes right out the other year, year, did you benefit from that? Did you learn from that? Probably not. But if you if you actually you know dive a little bit deeper and say, okay, how can I apply this to my life and what can I learn from it? I think that's where you can take something where you know we have a, a great message from our breakfast and it can mean that much more to you and it can change your life as opposed to being something that you walk away from going, Oh, that was a really nice message from Pastor George last week. I I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, I I think anybody can do that part, but I think the next step from that is how do I start hearing from God? How do I how do I pick up on some of those clues that he talked about uh, in terms of maybe I did hear from God and I just didn't recognize it and I didn't know it. So anyway, so that's I, I wanted to jump into that for just a second, but I appreciate you uh, you coming along because that was that was a for me it was like a whole. Oh, I got I to gotta do something about this moment. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I want to point out the a scripture he brought up in Proverbs that is such an easy scripture to miss. It's such an easy scripture to read and be like, what? Okay, whatever, move on. But it's Proverbs, Proverbs 22, it's verse, I think it's 23, no, 28, 22, 28. I'm going to read it, but then I want to, kind of bring out what Pastor George mentioned about it and why it's so important. He says, the Bible says, do not move the ancient landmark that your fathers have set. So you read that and it feels a little bit kind of the time, those times, you know, you're thinking, okay, they're much more agricultural back then. You know, I don't know that we're looking at a lot of boundary marks. You know, the only time you even think or hear about it is when you buy a house or a building and you got to have a surveyor come out and he does the whole thing and says, okay, this is the actual property line. Here's my, my dad's a surveyor. So some of these terms I've known for a long time, here's the cornerstone. Here's all these different things. Well, he's telling stories about landowners and different things. Why would people do it? And the men of Issachar, he says, were agricultural based and they knew this scripture. 
And what it struck me as, and he mentioned this with the men of Issachar, is they knew what God had told them previously. And I think even speaking to the purpose thing, what has God told you previously that you haven't been obedient to or hasn't happened yet? Those are the questions I'm asking myself, particularly, part specifically, what have I not been obedient to? What has God said that I know, like not in an audible voice, he didn't show up in my room, but I walked into a church service, I've been thinking one thing, and then the preacher talks about it, my wife talks about it, my friends in the brotherhood talk about it. It's like, okay, okay, I get it. I get it, Lord. You're trying to tell me something. What is it? What is it that God has told me? This is the question I'm asking myself right now. What has God told me that I have yet to be obedient to or I haven't fully finished and completed? Those are the ancient landmarks. Those are the things that I don't want to forget. I don't want to move past. I want to make sure I'm actually doing, I'm actually completing so that God can do or use or move through whatever it is that he has told me to do. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's something that we all, you know, sometimes forget about because, you know, we we always we're always seeking in terms of like, you know, what is he saying now? What is he saying now? Like, why am I not hearing from him more? Why why am I not, you know, hearing anything else from him? But I think the point that you're bringing up is that he's already said something, and until you do it, <laughs> he's it, there's no there's no he's not going to give you the next step because you didn't do the first step. So I think I think part of that is just recognizing like, all right. Like he, he spoke to me. I know he spoke to me this way and I know that he's put this on my heart. Uh, I I've called it, uh, and I've heard the, 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 the phrase coined an unholy rest. Like it's a, like, I, like, I know that I'm uncomfortable right now because I know there's something more, there's something else that I should be doing. I just don't know what it is. So like, like it's, it's God preparing my heart and, and moving me towards something else, but I need the courage and the motivation or, or whatever word you want to apply to it to take that step. And maybe it's fear that's holding you back. Maybe it's uh, comfortability that's holding you back. Maybe it's, you know, you name whatever that thing could be that's preventing you from taking that next step. But at the same time, you're not going to hear more from God until you take the step that he gave you. And I think that goes back to Saul. Saul stopped hearing from God because he stopped taking those steps that God, he stopped obeying. I mean, you take it the other direction. Are you disobeying God by not following that step? You know, that, that makes it a little heavier of a statement because when we're talking about fearing God, if I truly fear God, by God, I'm taking that step. But if I, if I don't necessarily fear God, I'm going to take my time. I'm going to, I'm going to hang out here in this little plateau of life for a little while uh, and, and stay comfortable because, you know, I, I enjoy it, but if I fear God, if I if I have that motivation, I've 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 been seeking Him and I know Him, and I understand His ways, and I understand that He's a God of love, but He's also a God of judgment and wrath, uh, and and He demands respect, and He He's an omniscient, all powerful God, all powerful God. Maybe I go back and figure out what that step was pretty quick because. You know, I, I should not be taking my time. I, I should be running towards the goal as opposed to, you know, what I've been doing. Yeah, it reminds me of in Matthew, he's recording Jesus's words, uh, chapter 10, 26 to 28. And Jesus says, he's, he says, in short, fear God, not man. I think a lot of the times we find ourselves being disobedient to what we know God has put in our heart to do. It's because we're scared of how someone will respond. And 
for some of us, it's the, you're scared that someone will be, you know, will disagree or confront you or something will um, come to you negatively. But for some of us, it's the fear of failure that people won't respond like we wanted to, that there won't be that successful response we're hoping to. And those are the things that God, he basically takes in his hands. He takes them out of our responsibility. It reminds me of when Paul says, you know, they're, they're dealing with this argument in the church of who's better, Paul or Apollos, these two guys that are these big icons in the faith. And Paul's like, I think you're missing the whole whole point. Neither one of us is better. Neither one of us can do the thing that God does, which is draw your heart unto him. God takes care of the results, he says. I may sow, Paul says, or Apollos may water, but it's God who makes the flower grow. That's huge. That So a lot of our fear of man is what's replacing what we should have, which is the fear of God. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what I want to do is I want to circle back a little bit to hearing from God, because I, I feel like if you hear from God, then that kind of gives you the instruction for taking those steps and, and understanding the fear of God. Because if you have that relationship with him and you're walking towards him and you're in, in, in harmony with him, that you're, you're not going to stray from those things. And I think uh, it's, it's imperative that we dive a little bit deeper into some of the things that Pastor George talked about in terms of hearing from God. Uh, for me, like when I did my mountain men trip, one of my primary goals with that was that I wanted to have a clearer uh, uh, communication with God, not just me in terms of praying or, re- or reading the Bible or whatever else, but recognizing his voice and understanding his character so that when a situation or a decision comes or or a, a, a challenge or a crisis in my life shows up, that I'm in that position that I can make that decision. Uh, and, and and put it up against what the will of God is, going back to stewardship and stewarding what I have, whether it be my family, my life, my work, you know, whatever else. So he, he gives three examples of, of hearing from God. Uh, and I, th- I think one of the, the, the intriguing things that he said was that you might not hear from God every day, every week, or every month, um, but you do need to hear from God. And I think sometimes people get into a little bit of the ditch of, I'm not hearing from him at all. And I think, um, I, I think I was in that camp for a very long time. And sometimes I feel like that I go large amounts of time without hearing from him. And I think we touched that on that a little bit, you know, maybe I need to dig back into, you know, some of my previous steps because he might've already told me it. And he's like, listen, I don't need to tell you again. I already told you once, just go do it. Um, but I think, uh, when you're hearing from God and you're knowing his voice and you know, his character, there's a, there's a couple things that can happen. He, he can speak to you through a number of ways, whether it be, uh, you know, an, an inward voice, uh, you know, private prayers through relationships and, and through like, uh, you know, scriptures that come to your remembrance or that unholy rest that we talked about. But I think that when you know the character of God and you, you, you've sought that out and you're just trying to decide whether or not this is God's voice in my life, or this could be something else. If you know his word, if you know his character and you know what he's saying, then I think it becomes very clear that that is the voice of God in your life. If you don't have that relationship and you don't have that foundation of, you know, what what's, what are the motivators of God and, and what does God want for me? Is, is God going to put me in a situation where I'm extremely vulnerable or I'm in danger or uh, the, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, in way over my head? I don't think God wants that for me. 
So I think part of it is understanding and looking at, you know, the stories of the Bible and scripture and, and, and uh, the parables and things that he's done and recognize not just this, like, Hey, that's a great story, but this reveals to me the character of God. And therefore when I'm in a situation where I believe that I'm trying to hear from God, I can differentiate his voice from my thoughts or, or whatever else may be coming into my head. Yeah, that's great advice. Great perspective. You know, the importance of the Word of God in our lives is paramount. It's easy to let it get diluted by public opinion, by personality, by a number of different things. But knowing Scripture, what the Word of God says, and then having a relationship with God in conjunction with that. You know, I think we can say that a lot of people over time have been able to quote scripture, say a few sentences from a book we call the Bible, but you need the relationship you have with God in conjunction with those stories and the scripture and the teaching so that they pull together the heart of God and you hear what he's actually saying. So much of the word of God can be, or so much scripture can be looked at. If it's just looked at at a very shallow base level, you're not going to see the heart of God in it. But understanding the context of it, where God was coming from, that he's coming from a place of love, then you start to understand quite a bit of why things happen in our lives and happen in the lives of the men and women in the Bible. It reminds me of when Hebrews, when he tells us, he chastens us as sons, which begins to give us a picture of how he puts us in situations to see us grow. What that means is he gives us challenges. He puts us in situations that are difficult, that we do need to hear from him. You know, it reminds me of a story about Elijah. It's in uh, Kings where, and I know you've heard this story before, Evan. Elijah needs to hear from God. And three things come by. Three, you know, an earthquake, a storm, and then finally just a quiet voice. And it was in the still small voice that God was speaking. And that always reminds me to get quiet get quiet, no scripture, spend some time in that relationship, just quiet. And then those things that God is saying starts to bubble up, start to come to the top and you start to get that knowing confidence. You know, Pastor George said it. He mentioned one of the times he'd heard from God and he said, nobody told me I didn't have any proof. I just knew. I just knew. Oh, he was talking about his call to be a pastor. He says, I just knew I was supposed to be a pastor. That, uh, That happens more often than not with me. Uh, when I hear from God, and then I find scripture that begins to illuminate that idea and begins to channel me into really only one step. It's never a pathway. It's really just one step that God ends up having me take. Yeah. That's that, uh, that, um, that holy unrest that you have inside of you. It's just that knowing that I'm, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I need to be doing this. And I think that's kind of that confirmation. The other thing that I want to highlight a little bit, because we talked about you know some of the different ways that you can hear from God. But I think that uh, you can also look at situations where maybe you didn't necessarily attribute it to hearing from God, but you saw God move in what you were doing. And I think that if you can kind of look back on some of those situations, like Pastor George talked about starting Christmas Train, starting the Gospel Bill Show, doing uh, uh, starting Church on the Move, like those were all examples of where he heard from God. But I think the important thing is for us, if we're trying to hear more from God, we can look at some of those examples in our life and said, hey, did God move in this decision that I made? I knew it was a tough decision. Maybe I made that decision on my own, or I thought I made that decision on my own. Um, but what were some of the what were some of the voices that I was listening to? What was what were some of the things that I did 
that drew me to that decision. And if I saw God work in it, which I'm sure that everyone has an example of their life where like they saw success or they saw, you know, uh, something really grow quickly. Uh, and it, it fulfilled them it gave them purpose. Like to me, that's you, you're, you're following the path that God has for you, whether knowingly or unknowingly go back and look at some of the decisions you made and some of the influences or voices that you heard or the process that you did and say, where did I get that confirmation from? Like when I made that decision, was it just a gut feeling? Was it, you know, there was it wise counsel of people that I talked to. Was it, you know, scripture that I read that I, you know, I had a piece about me, like what were those things? And I think we can add that to the list of, you know, whether it be a, a scripture that comes to mind that like that's God's way of leading you to his scripture and, and talking about, you know, or helping you through those, those decisions and things that you have. Uh, I, I think that's just as important uh, as a way to hear from God uh, through some of the experience that you have. My 40 years of experience, there's, there's certain times that I can think back to that I made a decision or I did something <clears throat> and maybe I didn't fully see God in the way that I, I knew I should have. Um, but there was definitely some 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 clues to God being involved in that decision. And so when I'm facing another big decision, I'm going to be looking to some of those things and say, you know, am I having that confirmation? Am I, am I having peace about this decision? Am I doing something that I know is going to go against culture? It's going to go against, you know, the the, the flow of, of what's going on. I'm not going to take a stand, but I know that if I don't do this, that I'm going to regret it. And, and I'm going to be in a situation where um, I, I know I'm making the wrong decision, but I'm only making the wrong decision because it's the comfortable decision to make. I think some of those things you can look to and say, okay, am I doing what's right? How do I know what's right? It's knowing God's character. It's knowing God's heart. And I think that it all weaves together to help you make that decision and understand the voice of God. And that's good. You know, I think back to times in, in growing in my walk with the Lord, you know, I can say, oh, maybe the last seven years of my life, maybe eight, I've actually had the experience where I got a scripture, you know, where I was praying, I was quiet, and a scripture came to my mind. But a decade and a half before that, you know, I started serving Jesus when I was 17. So I spent, you know, that's almost 15 years that I spent before I ever got a quote unquote scripture. And I can remember hearing people tell those stories where they're like, you know, I was praying and I got this scripture. And I can remember thinking, man, that never happens to me. That never, like, I never hear from, like, I can't hear from God. It must be that. That must be the problem. And then it hit me, oh, probably age 30 or so, that actually does happen to me. Every time I go to church and sit in service, the pastor will talk about something. He'll pull up a scripture, and it will hit me. And I'll be like, ah, man, I, I may get an answer. I may just get a direction. I was hearing scripture from God just by being in a local church. Just because I hadn't transcended, if you will, no, that's not the right word. That's the way it's presented. It's presented with this idea that somehow you transcend to this place of God speaking to you in Scripture. It's really just knowing enough Scripture and being around it enough for God to say, hey, here's a few words, and you go, oh, wow, that's a Scripture. I've heard that somewhere. Well, that growth happens being in a local church. It happens listening to a pastor every week give you a breakdown of some content that actually came from scripture. You want to be in a local church that's doing that. That's how you work yourself up to that point of having those amazing stories, if you will, where people, you know, because pastor, that's the only uh, stories people tell from the stage is they tell you the, you know, I spent three hours in prayer and I got this scripture and boom, I was a success. And I'm, you know, I'm always like, man, that never happens to me. Uh, but it, 
I was actually getting scripture. So if you're listening out there and you're having those thoughts, like I never get scripture. I don't I wouldn't know if, if you told me. Start listening at your local church. Start writing down notes and thinking, okay, this is the scripture God's telling me. How does this apply to that work problem? How does that apply to my marriage problem? How does that apply to this challenge I'm in? When you start to do that, it tunes your ear to what God is trying to say and starts to move scripture into your life. And it gets real and exciting. I I think that's great. And and for me, it's, you know, a prime example is, you know, the promises of God, like just him bringing those to your your remembrance. I I remember a situation that I, in the middle of the night, not middle of the night, like I was going to bed, but I couldn't sleep. Like I, I, I knew that, you know, that I, that something was on my mind that I needed to figure out before I went to sleep. And I kept circling and circling and circling around it. And ultimately it was that I needed to uh, apply for something. And so uh, I just said, okay, I'm going to, first thing in the morning, I'm going to do it. And I did it. And I, as soon as I did that, or as soon as I recognized I needed to do that, I was able to go to sleep the next morning I did it. I had peace about it. And then I got excitement about it. Uh, and then ultimately what I, what I realized through the entire thing was not necessarily that, uh, that I needed to apply for this thing, but for me, it was God saying, there's, I have more, uh, more is possible for you. I have exceedingly and abundantly above uh, that I want to bless you with. And I need you to have your head up and be willing to step out into that. And for me, it was, it was, it was, it was a moment that I, uh, that I, I struggled with at first because at, at first I was like, why am I doing this? This doesn't make any sense. Like, I don't need, I don't I'm like, this is like, I, I think it's a, something that I want to do, but at the same time, like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think this is something that I should be doing right now. But I think as I've had time to dwell on it and think on it, it was more of God just in my life saying, get your head up, know that more is possible. Don't be complacent. Don't get comfortable like more is more is coming and, and just get in that situation where, or, or start preparing yourself. So when that comes along, when that opportunity is there, you're ready. And it's not going to be something that completely destroys uh, you and becomes this big decision. Uh, I'm in this situation now where, you know, if that were to come along, I would, I would, I'd be like, yeah, this is it. Like, I know they say that luck is where preparation meets opportunity. I think that, you know, God uses preparation and preparing your heart and preparing uh, your mind and your soul for everything so that when you, when that opportunity does come along, you're able to see it, you're able to see it clearly. And you're in a position where you say, okay, God, this is what you've been promising me. This is, this is the opportunity and I need, and I need to move on it. Uh, if you weren't, if you were comfortable and you're in that situation where uh, you're just sitting back and like, you're happy with how things are and you're content uh, and you're not going outside of your comfort zone, that, that opportunity would show up and it, it would, go by and God would give it to somebody else. Like, like he did from Saul to David, because he, he's sitting there going like, Hey, I was trying to prepare your heart. I was trying to get you uh, in that situation that you would be ready. And you didn't, you didn't do the work. You didn't listen to my voice when I was talking to you. Uh, so that when I was able to say, Hey, now's the time you weren't ready. And you, the, the opportunity passed you by. Well, I want to mention something that happened in my life that also kind of speaks to when God is involved and when God is speaking to you or at least walking through something with you. You know, when I, as I'm thinking, I'm hearing you talk, I'm remembering a time in my life where I was actually the Saul character in this story. I like to tell stories about me when I'm the David character, but if I have to be honest with people, then there's a time where I've been the Saul character. And I can think back, I was working for an organization and they promoted me to a position of leadership and man, I was excited and I, I thought I was prepared and ready. And I probably was looking back, 
Uh, the end of the story is not good. So I don't know if I was prepared, but I actually, I did that for a year and then they demoted me. <laughs> like they brought me in and I was like, you're not cutting it. You're, we're going to move you back down to said position and we're going to give this job to somebody else. <laughs> and I was like, and then I worked for that person for a year and I was just, and I was, of course I was frustrated and disappointed and felt like a failure. And when I look back, the reason I got demoted was not because I didn't know what to do. It wasn't because I wasn't prepared. It wasn't because I didn't have the skills. It was because I was scared, which I assume Saul was. I don't know 100% sure, but it seems kind of like he was. I was just scared. I would, And I eventually made the right decisions, but because I would hem haul back and forth and try to make sure this person was pleased and this person was happy and this person was okay with it, by the time I got to the decision point, it was already made by my boss above me, or I had already missed the window of time. You know, we were in kind of a, it was a high pressure type job. And there was a window of time where you could make that decision and it would be successful. If you made the decision after the window of time, it didn't matter anymore because the opportunity is gone. So I would hem haul back and forth, or I would try to make sure everybody was happy and do act in that way. Because ultimately I was scared just to stand on my own two feet and say, Hey, this is the right decision. This is where we're going. This is what we're doing. And the result was similar like what Saul, you know, fortunately I didn't have to, uh, I wasn't a king and I didn't get my story written in the Bible, but I did lose that position and somebody else got it. And then I had to work for that person, which was brutal. But here's where God was so good. And I don't get to see this part in Saul. Of course, actually Saul ends up killing himself um, shortly after this whole situation with Goliath. And um, so I look back and God actually did, even though my obedience was delayed because of fear, the uh, obedience I did do, he worked through me. And when I got out of that situation, I was a better individual, better leader than my track record at that point showed. I was more confident. I had more strength, more patience. I had more understanding. And it was because God was doing a work in me, even when I was too scared to be obedient to the work he had for me. I'm just so thankful to God's faithfulness in that situation because it set me up for later. It set me up for leadership opportunities later when I knew, okay, listen, fear will steal the very thing I've been given. I am not going to allow fear to seep its way into my life. I'm going to stand on what God told me and what God has for me and do it. And that has been, it's been a huge, I've had huge successes since then because of God walking me through a difficult time where I actually got the repercussions of being fearful. Yeah, I think what you're getting to is kind of uh, going to naturally transition us into the conversation of what it means to be a statesman, like uh, navigating the difference between politics and doing and making a decision on on what's right. And I think that you know, as as we as Pastor George got a little bit further into uh, the conversation of, of what he was talking about, like he he really dove deep into the sons of Issachar were able to understand the culture and they were able to make a stand and have a conversation and lead with what was right. And I think that that's something right now that we are, uh, when we're talking about crisis in the beginning of this, and we're talking about all the different challenges and, and things that are going on in our world today, we need statesmen. We need people who are able to discern what's going on and make the right decision. And I think that for uh, Pastor George, it was a, a definitely an example of, you know, I, I've always known him uh, in in my time of of kind of hearing from him that he was he was definitely a man of his word, and he was willing to take a stand 
uh, on different issues. I mean, he talked about you know something that was going on in, in the church world that he that he took a stand on. But I was reminded of a quote that I heard. Uh, I think it was actually in the play Hamilton, but I think uh, I've heard it outside of that, uh, which is if if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything, and that's what Alexander Hamilton said. And I think that's what made Alexander Hamilton a statesman. Like he had his flaws, he had his you know different challenges, but and I think that even the, going to the founding fathers, they understood statesmanship. It wasn't about politics. It was about how do we create a world, a nation um, that is built on these principles. And a statesman and and the sons of Issachar understood that you have to make a stand in certain things. And I think that's where we start talking about some of the ancient ancient boundaries, and we'll start to kind of transition into, uh, you know, the, the things that, that Pastor George talked about there. But I think it's important that, you know, as we're walking away from 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 this and, and whatever else, and I think the thing that, you know, encouraged a lot of people at the breakfast and why so many people were so excited to hear from what Pastor George had to say was that I felt like he was kind of throwing down the gauntlet a little bit. Uh, and he was basically saying, here's the challenges that we're, that we're facing. Uh, here's our foundation for uh, for our country and, and the foundations of you know who, uh, you know him as a leader, but uh, us as Christians and, and some of the, the major challenges that are under attack right now. Uh, he was able to to say, "Hey, we're in a spiritual war right now. There are specific things in our country that are under attack." And uh, I don't know why it didn't strike me until he said it, but I didn't think of everything that's going on that he mentioned as being a spiritual battle. But I think that's exactly what it is. And I think that's why there's so much um, unrest right now is because there is a battle going on uh, for our country uh, and it's a spiritual battle. And that's what's going to define who we are moving forward. And the sons of Iskar understood that. And I think Pastor Willie, uh, Pastor George understands that. And I think we as leaders need to understand and recognize that when we're under attack and when things are happening, it's not personal. It's not anything that we've per- done per se on, on our end, but we need to recognize that this is what's happening. They're trying to move, the, these ancient boundaries are trying to be moved and these things are trying to, to be impacted um, that are going to make some massive changes for who we are as a country. And I think that that gave me a little bit of hope and peace uh, knowing that, okay, it is a spiritual battle and I already know who wins that. So that I think for a lot of people gave them a little bit of peace walking out of, uh, walking out of that breakfast, knowing God's in control. Uh, these are, this is why these things are happening. Uh, and, and we know the end result. We know who wins in the end. Yeah. And I think it called us to courage. You know, when I walked out of there, I thought it's time I'm a man that he's speaking about. You know, I can't recall any times where I've stepped back and been weak in my decisions or not stood up for what I believed in. But it makes me want to make sure that I'm standing forward on the front end of I'm going to stand up for what God said is true. I'm going to stand up for the people who uh, God loves. I'm going to stand stand up for the people around me. I'm going to stand for my family. I'm going to be that leader that goes out in front, that's willing to say the tough thing, that's willing to call out what we all know to be untrue, and is willing to stand and say the Word of God is what I'm living my life on. And I think that's what we all loved about hearing that message from Pastor George is in a world that seems like it's a lot of Oh, shaping our words so that we are not offensive as Christians. 
And and let me say this clearly. That doesn't mean you can be offensive as a Christian. Like, I don't want somebody to take my words with that, to stand up for right, to be a jerk or not have the fruits of the Spirit working in their life. But there is a time where we have to stand up and say, the Word of God says this, so this is how I'm going to live. And when that bothers people and when that sets you apart, you're in a good place. When it's that communication that sets you out as a man, then you're in a good spot. You know, Pastor gave us a number of stories where he had to do that very thing in his career. And he points out, I thought this was incredible, Evan. He points out that he says, nobody ever rose up against Saul. And yet when you watch David, he is the king that is most risen up against, has the most uprising. He talks about Paul. Paul experienced persecutions left and right. We see that all through Acts and the epistles. And he says, you know, Saul never had that. He says, so if you're getting that challenge, you're getting that confrontation, if you're running through difficulties because you're standing up for right, you're in good company. You're in a good spot because that's what happens when you take authority and you stand on what the Word of God says, you will get opposition. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna test your knowledge a little bit here. Uh, what were uh, what did Pastor uh, Lee say in his message that we 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 talked about? You have your kingdom, right? Oh, it's always under attack. It's always under attack. One hundred percent of the time. Yeah, yeah. Why is your kingdom always under attack? It's because you're standing for something. Your your kingdom is constantly under attack. If you don't have adversity, if you don't have people rising up against you you're not standing for anything. And I think that's why as a brotherhood, we have the opposition and the adversity that we face because we're standing up for what's right. We're, we're standing up for uh, the, the we're, we're standing up against the power of darkness. I think <clears throat> actually I was, when I was taking notes for, for this, um, I was like, okay, you know, why does an ancient boundary move? Well, one, uh, they're greedy. Uh, two, uh, they, they move it because uh, because people don't want conflict. But I was I was struggling to kind of get like, what was the last thing? He said there was three things, but I couldn't find the third thing. And so I had to listen to it a couple of times. And, and so this is my interpretation of what the third thing is. I think he kind of blended it together and didn't say three. But I think the third thing of, of why um, people want to move ancient boundaries in the notes was because you carry a, an authority that is threatening to the power of darkness. And I think that that is why our kingdoms are always under attack. We, we are going to be in a situation where we, you know, I don't like conflict. Conflict isn't, isn't necessarily fun. And so, so people might try to avoid conflict, but the reason that you're having that conflict is because you carry an authority that is that that goes directly against the powers of darkness and that's the spiritual battle that, those are the the five things that the pastor george talked about are things that right now are on the table of things that potentially could change in america and and recognizing that those are spiritual battles that are going on for our country i mean when he talked about just the freedom of the movement of the gospel and 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 how COVID has essentially shut down travel, and it shut down the ability for missions, and it shut shut down the ability uh, to spread the gospel. You know, you talk about the Great Commission going to all the world and preach the gospel. I don't know that that's happening right now because of COVID. And so that's for me when I was like, "Whoa, this is a spiritual battle," because the Great Commission, the, the one of the most important things that the Christ left for us to do is under attack right now. And that's the ability uh, to go and proclaim God's, uh, God's good news. Yeah. You know, in Daniel, we have a similar 
thing happening like we're facing here. And Daniel is a holdover from a bunch of refugees who came out of Israel. He's still alive. He gets taken into Babylon and he is, he's lived his life. And he realizes that God had said they were going to be in captivity for 70 years. He, he does the math, 70 years are up. So he's like, okay, God, what's the deal? And, you know, honestly, when I read that in Kings about the Israelites being uh, in bondage to Babylon for 70 years, I thought, okay, the picture I had was like, hey, in 70 years, God's coming down. And he's going to be like, boom, we're taking them out of Babylon. I'm putting them back in their own country. And I'm going to do what I had with them. But that is not what God does in our lives. Daniel realized, wow, we're supposed to be free. Then Daniel had to contend first in prayer. And then eventually you get to Nehemiah and they have to contend actually in physical, their physical actions. But it starts in prayer with Daniel and he's praying. And this is what pastor is alluding to. He's praying and he prays 21 days. The angel finally gets there and he says, listen, I've been warring in the heavenlies. Thank you for not praying. That if, had you, I mean, he implies, he doesn't say this, but he implies that had you stopped praying, it's, I would have lost that spiritual war. So as men, we've got to stand up and start praying first. And then we eventually see the Israelites go free and they're set free. It's still not what you think it is, but they at least they're rebuilding Jerusalem and Nehemiah. But that's where a lot of where we're at is wherever you're at, whether it's America as a whole, because we everybody has different opinions of America. But you can look at your own personal life. What's happening in your family? That kingdom right there that God's given you, what is under attack? What is trying to move that ancient boundary? Maybe it's just a foot. Maybe it's just a small bit. But if it can move it a foot, then it can move it a mile. And eventually you've lost what God has for you, which is what pastor started talking about in the first place, that it wasn't being a man of Issachar, a statesman, a man of God who stands up for what is right, is less about attaining a new level of wisdom and it's more about standing on what God had already said and going back to the things that were already true that God set down years ago. Yeah, it's it's those it's those ancient boundaries that he's laid it out like this is this is how this is how I designed it. This is how I created it. Don't don't move that. Don't don't change that. I want to I want to kind of move a little bit into like what the men of Issachar would do today because I think that's kind of the practical application as we close this out. Is, is really kind of reflecting on, all right, there's these guys that are, they, they know God, they know his voice, they know his character. They also can see culture and they can see what's going on in the times. And what is our response? What, we're, what do we do as leaders? What do we do as men? What do we do as a brotherhood? So that we are in a situation where when we need to take a stand, that we know that this is a, a moment for us to take a stand. We can hear from God. We can understand the character of God. We can have confirmation in the decision that we make. But when it all comes down to it, like if you're going to take a stand in culture, it's not easy. It's, it's, it's going to be difficult. Um, but we need to be those men's, men of Issachar now. That doesn't necessarily, just because this was something that happened in biblical times, doesn't necessarily mean that we just say, okay, well, it was great that they had a men of Issachar then. We don't need them now. Like I think we need them now more than ever. But what I've learned in business is if if there's an is some if you find yourself saying, man, there really should be somebody that you should invent something for this or create something or you know why has nobody solved this problem or whatever else, the, the answer always comes back to like 
that's me. Like I'm the guy that needs to do that. Like I'm, I have the, the ability to see this. I have the discernment to recognize that this is an area that I need to step up and create a solution or, or, or solve a problem. So I think, uh, what pastor George was, was kind of closing out with and, and saying is that we need to double down and follow God and make sure that we know why we're following God. We, we know the care, continue to know the character of God, uh, and, and recognize that we need to make our decisions based on that character. Culture is, is a current, it's going to change. It's going to, it's going to continually move and, 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 and be different. And the funny thing is like culture today, like, it, like we think that we know everything now, but if you go back even 10, 15 years, like some of the things that people have said and done 10 to 15 years ago, like are appalling to us now. The interesting thing is 10 years from now, what are the things that we're saying and doing from a culture standpoint are going to be things that we're like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that we associated with that or we said those things or whatever else that, that, that culture is going to continually shift, but the things that aren't going to change is the character of God. The things that aren't going to change is the, the principles of God. And I think that's where we as men of Issachar and brothers need to be able to discern the difference between all those things and continue to take a, a stand on the things that God has created and his character. Yeah, that's a brilliant perspective. And I don't think it's being brought out enough that there are things that we as a community, as a society, we swore by. We said 100% this is the case in our lifetime. We're not even talking about like history books where we, we look at some of this ridiculous stuff that happened. We're talking about in our lifetime, I can remember it and saying absolutely. And yet it's been proven that it's not true now. Or we think at least, you know, that is, it reminds me of the story of eggs. When I was a kid, eggs were good for you. And then somewhere along the way, eggs were bad for you. And then they became good for you. And then they're bad. And then they're good. And they're like, they can't, science cannot decide what to do with eggs. And I think the same thing is with our facts and the historical things that happen is, yes, the things that God has shown us scientifically and historically and these different ways we come to decisions, unbelievable. We've got to keep true to them. We have to understand them. But knowing the word of God is the ultimate spiritual truth and being able to see those through the lens of the word of God, rather than thinking in an arrogant stance that somehow we know all there is to know at this point in time, it is so pertinent, so true, and is what keeps us in a space of stand, of walking before God and fearing him, like you were saying earlier. His culture is going to shift. It's going to move. It's going to shape with whoever's in power, whoever's leading. And it's knowing the word of God, like Pastor George brings out five things that he believes the word of God speaks that we should look through as a lens. But I would love, and if you want to go back and listen to that podcast, I would love for people to do that. I think getting into the word of God and seeing those moments that God brings out, the scriptures that God brings out for you is so important to me. It's so, because he brings out things that are personal, that are like, this is scripture. These are things God wants me to absolutely not move on. This I'm not, not that there will be other things in scripture that he allows me to move on. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this is pertinent to my family. Like there's some things in my family that I know because my parents did them, their parents before them had those issues. So I know this is going to be an issue that I am not allowing the enemy to get into in my life. And I am standing on the word of God to see it changed in me, my family, whatever it may be. I think the most sobering thing that he said was in the last 90 days, uh, 
the 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 spiritual warfare that's been going on the last 90 days is, is the the most that he's ever seen and I, I would have to agree with that like i just and maybe it's just be, because we're a little bit more tuned into it. we have more ability to see kind of some of the things that are going on but kind of walking walking out of uh, out of that breakfast just going man there is a spiritual war going on the war is raging right now our kingdom is under attack our country is under attack and it's going to take men of Issachar and, and a brotherhood to stand up and say, you know, this is this is what's right. We 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 do need to stand up to the conflict. We need to recognize um, why we are standing up. Like we need to, you know, from a belief standpoint and a conviction standpoint, we need to understand who God is, so that we can, you know, uh, when we're when we're fighting, know what we're fighting for. Uh, because I think that's just just as important. If it's just like, well, yeah. I, I'm fighting this just because I'm, you know, it's wrong. Well, you know, if I'm having a conversation with somebody and say, well, <clears throat> I believe that this is wrong. So therefore uh, you're wrong and therefore I'm right. So that's why I'm fighting. That's not a very good conversation. I'm not going to necessarily get anybody to agree with me on my side with that. But if I understand the character of God and I, and I'm digging into his word and I'm, I'm recognizing, you know, all the different things that are going on and why it's important not to move those boundaries, then I think it helps me make a little bit better case to why we need to stand up to culture, why we need to uh, recognize that there's this war going on, and ultimately we need to pray. I, and I, I feel like that was kind of the, the most important part that that he was uh, he was trying to communicate to us. And, and I, I, he kind of said it, but he didn't say it like with you know the, the same uh, conviction that he says a lot of things. But he said something to the effect of, "There's a spiritual battle going on uh, in the air." And it's going to be one in the air. And I think what he was alluding to was that that's something that we need to continue to pray for as a brotherhood, as men, and which I'm why I'm really encouraging. And, and I'm, I'm so glad that we did this, that we had that uh, the day before the election, we had a brotherhood prayer night and we just got together. We prayed for our leaders. We prayed for our country. And I think that really set the tone as, just as uh, leaders. Like it, for me, it was really cool just to see just all the guys together. But, you know, I didn't even think about it, which I'll, I'll definitely do it the next time. But I, you know, there's guys that brought their sons. And I think what a, what a beautiful example of training up and bringing up that next generation to say, hey, this is how we lead. This is how we pray for our country. This is how, <clears throat> as leaders, how we win this battle is by getting on our knees and praying and, and and giving it up to God and recognizing first of all that there is a, a that there is a problem that there is a challenge but recognizing our role in it and God's role in it and God's role is much bigger than my role but I need to not carry the weight of the situation and continue to give that to him and say God you know what's at stake here you know what's going on you know lead me guide me allow me to make the right decisions help me and part of that's just my prayer is, is I don't know what to do. So I'm praying, you know, I, I, I don't even know tomorrow. Like if, if, if I'm going to have any kind of impact on this situation, but what I do want to do is I want to continually point others to you in my communication with them about whatever spiritual battles going on and recognize that God's in control. That's where my hope lies. That's where my peace is. That's where my fulfillment and is. That's brilliant. You know, one of the things I loved about that event is our prayers were not directed at the victory of a certain candidate or a certain group of candidates. We were just praying for God to move through the people who lead our country, which is what Paul tells us to do. You know, he says, pray for those people, that God works through them to guide your community towards the things of God. 
We see it in the Old Testament. We see good leaders, bad leaders, righteous leaders, wicked leaders, and yet God will move with his people through no matter who's in leadership if they'll pray. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I don't know that we did it justice, but we I think we went through a lot of what Pastor George talked about there. I want to give you an opportunity to give any final thoughts uh, about the the breakfast. I, I know that you know, just some of the feedback that I heard from others was, you know, this was exactly what I needed to hear right now. And it, it, it gave me hope. It gave me encouragement in terms of, of what's coming and what's next. But I'd love to get your kind of closing thoughts on on uh, Pastor George's message. Yeah, absolutely. The breakfast in itself, you know, I look at it as an opportunity for community. It is your space to get in and connect with people. And you need that. You can't get away from the importance and the value of connecting with other men. And whether it's you know them in a deep sense or a strong friendship sense, or you're just acquaintances with them, knowing that there's other men around you that are serving God, that are pursuing God, that is a huge boost to your morale, to your confidence as you face things, as you face difficulty. And then that develops into stronger relationships that help you when it's tough. You know, there's guys that I met in the brotherhood that when their kids are going through tough things, man, we're talking. We're praying for our kids that they will be able to navigate the challenges they face as they're going through them. And so the breakfast in itself is just an incredible opportunity for community that I hope if you're listening to this podcast and you're not faithfully coming every month that you are signing up for the next one in, you know, it's coming up in January in this case, and we're going to kick off the new year with Pastor Witt. And then the final thought about how, about Pastor George is that we need more lions. There's one thing Pastor George has always been is a lion. You know, the Bible paints Christ as both a lion and a lamb. And if we get too many faces of the lamb, we lose a bit of the lion. And it's not that we have to be these rip-roaring Christians that are out there making a bad name for ourselves. It's that we're strong enough to stand up for what's right when that time comes. We might, be, we might need to be gentle enough to say it the right way, but we've got to be strong enough to stand up. And that's what I see with Pastor George. That's why I'm so thankful that as long as I can remember at this point, he's spoken at the last breakfast of every single year. And it's because he is this lion feature. He's this lion character in our lives that when he steps in the room, everybody rolls their shoulders back and everybody aspires to a new level because he sets, you know, it's that old adage of, are you a thermometer or a thermostat? You know, are you reflecting the temperature around you? Or are you setting the temperature? Well, I want to be a thermostat. I want to set the temperature in the space I'm at. And Pastor George is that. He always turns it up another degree higher. It doesn't matter where you think you are. When you step in the room for Pastor George, he's going to turn that heat up for you. Yeah. I think that's why we need a brotherhood, personally, because there are lambs and there are lions. And I think that no matter what your brotherhood is, that I think that when you're around somebody like that, it encourages you. It, it gives you boldness in, in what you do, and it challenges you to be bigger than what you what you are, and and really uh, encourages you to build that foundation that he has. And I think that that's something that you know we need we need all of it. And I think that uh, you know just as men and as a brotherhood, that's why I think it's so dangerous to be isolated and to be alone because you don't see some of those other examples in your life. And when you're alone and you're isolated, the, the loudest voice becomes the voice that that kind of controls your thoughts. And your thoughts are not always you know, in your best interest. And so you need to surround yourself with all sorts of people that are going to speak into your life, that are going to challenge you and help you help you grow. The good news for us and the good news for anybody listening here 
is, is Pastor George is a part of your brotherhood. It's a part of us. It's a part of who we are as a people. Matt, you're you're a part of the brotherhood. I'm a part of the brotherhood. The, all these different voices are, are a reason why the brotherhood is important because hopefully through all of our conversations and all the things that we're talking about today and, and in the future and in past podcasts, that there are things that challenge you, that, that the things that motivate you, and, and, and ultimately things that point you closer to the purpose that God created you to be. And that's why it's important to have a brotherhood. We're going to face adversity. We're going to face challenge. Uh, we're going to, we're going to always be in these, you know, these battles, our kingdoms are always going to be under attack, but we know that we have a brotherhood that no matter what the situation, no matter what the challenge and no matter what the adversity, we're going to be able to overcome it and we're going to be able to lead well. Brothers, remember, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God and honor the King. We'll catch you on the next podcast.